Welcome to the Weekly Woodcast with Dennis and Michael Woodworth. We have a special guest in studio today to discuss a topic that is near and dear to everyone's hearts across the country. Dan Hennessy, who is the honorary colonel here in uh, the Bridgewater area or the South Shore, if you want to call it that, um, for our military. And today we want to take some opportunities to pay tribute to our military at the highest level. Um, over the time that I, we talked off, off microphone Dan, in regards to the things that I, when I was in quarantine and isolation, what I've learned and what I've seen has really brought me to want to do this. And a lot of my personal friends along the way that have served in the military has reached out to me to talk about the military, its sacrifice, its service, and of course, some some medical issues that we deal with um, as well with the military. Guys like Kirk Powell and uh, Danny Dospital, Ian Hape, Peter Getson, uh, Peter Lee, are just a few of the the names that I've spoken with along the way, and I'm really happy that you're in studio today. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. You know, it's it's amazing. I took on this role as honorary colonel, 14 Construction Engineering Squadron, just a little over five years ago. And when I took on this responsibility, I also realized that I also I also adopted a huge extended family, and that extended family is all of the members of the Canadian military, whether it's Navy, Army, or Air Force. Absolutely, we are all one big family. And um, the ironic piece is that we all celebrate successes together, but we also mourn as a family when tragedy hits. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's a daunting experience because um, basically an honorary colonel is a civilian in uniform right. and we work as a liaison between the community and our unit. But um, yeah, we, uh, we have a, a real, um, a real love for the military and the members and uh, and their well-being. Let's talk about Remembrance Day. Yeah. November 11th is going to be probably the most different this year than ever. Talk about some of the challenges and how you're going to overcome those challenges. Well, I mean, Veterans Memorial Park in Bridgewater, just, you know, to, to name one location. I mean, normally on November 11th, there's 3,000 plus people in there. And, and it's all age groups from, from veterans, not as many as there was uh, from before, but uh, to young school children, and uh, they're all there for that that simple reason, and that's to to pay tribute and honor uh, veterans past and present, and the sacrifices that they've made, and and of course with COVID nineteen, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um. So it is. It's strategically important to give people something to hold on to and to reflect on. Uh, the local legion is having a very small ceremony with a, a select group of people, um, but it's certainly not going to be what uh, what's normal. And people are people are confused, people are concerned uh, about how are we going to pay tribute? How are we still going to stop and take a minute um, and reflect on on those sacrifices? So. There are a few things that are that are in place. I know you and I talked briefly about a project that Terry Kelly, right. the singer, and I um, have uh, have just launched at the end of October. It's called Operation A Pittance of Time. And, of course, everybody knows Terry's amazing song that he did back Absolutely. in 1999. Well, he's a, he's a Canadian country music legend, really. And he's a Newfoundlander. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just he's, he's, an, incredible, he's an incredible guy. Uh, Terry is also an honorary colonel, and we've spent a lot of time together. And he always had something in the back of his mind to to see if we can because Canadians, Canadians are historically passionate about their patriotism, but um, there's a lot of areas in the country that people on November 11th just continue on doing everything as if it was just a normal day. 
So what we want to try to do is we wanted to try to develop a program that would just give these Canadians, wherever they are worldwide, because, you know, with social media, the world has, has gotten considerably smaller, something that they could focus on. So we launched a program called Operation A Pittance of Time, and that takes uh, some of Terry's music and, uh, and a message from, uh, from the military to, to stop uh, take a pittance of time, and we don't care what that pittance of time is, whether it's 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, if it's if it's two minutes. Uh, I know kids always find two minutes uh, a hard length of time to, to be quiet. Um, so I've always told kids that, you know, the great way to get through two minutes of silence is to stop, close your eyes, bow your head, and think about all of the really cool things that you have in your life. You have a place to live. You have parents that love you. You have food. You have school. You have all of those great things that sometimes you take for granted. And uh, because kids generally wind up with itchy bum syndrome with two minutes of silence. Absolutely. So, and then I said, you know, if you start thinking about all of those things that you're thankful for, at the end of two minutes, you'll go, wow, that went fast. So, we want to try to encourage Canadians, wherever they are in the world, to stop um, and take that two minutes of silence, that take that pittance of time and think about the people that have come before us, that are currently serving members, and, and the sacrifices that they have and continue to make so that we have the lifestyle that we have today. So that was launched um, October 26th, Operation of Pittance of Time. There is a Facebook page under that name, and we encourage people to go to that page and share some of the memories that they may have about remembering and Remembrance Day. So that's out there. It's a, it's a national program. Uh, Veterans Affairs Canada has, uh, has jumped over it and sponsored it and is promoting it. The Veterans Walk uh, in, uh, in, on the West Coast is, is a, an operating partner with us on that. Um, so we're, we've done that. But again, the schools... This week leading up to Remembrance Day, as, as somebody in uniform, you were always involved with schools, going out to speak to them, showing videos, answering questions, getting cards and letters. Um, so there's a, there's a void, and schools are saying, we need something. What can we do? So what's the plan? So Terry and I put our, put our brain power together, and we've put together a, a video that would, should be available by the end of tomorrow, and be offered to schools across Nova Scotia. It would uh, it, it's in concert with 14 Wing Greenwood. Uh, so we've got the uh, wing commander doing a, an opening, uh, a documentary that Terry and I did uh, explaining Operation of Pittance of Time. Terry did a live performance of the song, and uh, and then we also have a piece from Eastlink that uh, encompasses Last Post, Reveille, Two Minutes of Silence, uh, images of uh, cenotaphs and monuments across Nova Scotia. And then the iconic reading of In Flanders Fields by, um, by World War II veteran Pierre Alain, uh, who at 13 years old fought with the French resistance in German-occupied France. So, so we're hoping that that's going to be ready within the next um, day or so, and that'll be offered to schools as, a, as an option to show in the schools so that uh, they, we can fill that void. And we're going to have all these links that you're, re you're referencing to on the channel, so people will be able to click on those links. Oh, absolutely. So, and share them. Yeah, 100%. Like, to see as many friends that I've grown up with in our community serve in the military in different capacities has been 
something that I've had a lot of pride in my friends to make the sacrifices they have, and including my relatives. My uncle Leonard was in the Navy. My uncle Ronnie was in the Navy. My cousin Paul was in the Navy. So, you know, we've, we've been surrounded by the military service my whole life. I don't know if, because we get further and further away from some of the, the, the largest moments in the history of our world, that some of our youth get to really understand when you use the word sacrifice, I don't know if they really understand it. One of the, the films I, I watched was um, when I was down south was the actual real footage of World War II when Canada landed um, in <laughs> that moment when they landed on the beaches that these videographers that put their lives at risk to be able to get the footage and then they converted it over into color and it really gave you a real idea visually at least, what a traumatic event that was for people that I don't know you could ever prepare for mentally, even in training for months and months or even years and years. Talk about some of the people that you've talked to over the years about their real live experiences. You mentioned earlier off camera that uh, one of the films that the, the, the men and women that really have served when they saw um, Saving Private Ryan in an opening scene that everything was correct other than one thing. I'll, I, mm. I'm not going to take your thunder away, but <laughs> lead into it because it really does. It's hard for the youth that live in our communities. They need to understand how incredible of a sacrifice it really was. So in 2009, um, I was a member of the uh, local legion here in Bridgewater Branch 24, and um, local artists came in and, and donated a piece of artwork. And at that time, I mean, we had tons of, of World War II veterans still very active in the Legion. And you're sitting in amongst all of these people. And I used to look around at the chest full of medals right. and the experiences. And, you know, I always used to refer to them as military um, military majesty. You know, these are the royalty of, of our Canadian military and veterans. And um, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could convince some of them? Because most of them were in their mid to high 80s. Um, to, to share some of their experiences with me. And so I reached out. I had some that said no, but I ended up with 18 that actually agreed oh, to sit fantastic. down and, and talk to me. And it was and it was such an incredible experience because one gentleman, for example, Frank Hammond from Bridgewater, he, uh, he was actually a signalman on a landing craft taking Canadian troops to Juneau Beach on D-Day under fire. Bullets were ringing off of his landing craft. And, um, and Frank was the one that I, I specifically said, you know, uh, is there a movie that Hollywood has done? I mean, they've done so many that really gave you the feeling of what D-Day was like for somebody that would have, like, like myself, other than just movies and, and books, not a clue of what it was actually like. And he said, Saving Private Ryan, he said the only thing that was missing from that opening beach scene was the smell of war. He said yeah. everything else was, and that's why it triggered um, a lot of uh, PTSD in people. but So this project was, was 18 veterans. It was everybody from um, Navy, Army folks. We had uh, Ron Mosley, who most people in the area you know knew as a, a combat chaplain Absolutely. to the uh, U.S. Army, wounded twice at the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, again, Pierre Allen, who was uh, with the French Resistance. We had two ladies, Doris Jodry and Mary Nixon, who uh, one was with the British Army, one was with the British Land Army. 
Um, you know, and these are people that, these are people that, that, you know, turn the corner in, in London after a, a blitz and, uh, Winston Churchill's walking down the street, and I'm thinking you saw Winston Churchill wow. in Perth. So uh, you know, and and being a student of history, I mean, it just it was amazing. I made 18 friends. I made 18 brand new I friends. Bet you did. All of those 18 have since passed. Wow. But I did make a pledge to each and every one of them. I said, "You share your memories with me, and and my promise to you is that I will continue to keep your memories alive as long as I'm able to do so." And um, the video celebrated its 10th anniversary last year, and uh, it's it's going strong. And well, again, that's I uploaded that actually today to YouTube, so it's available. Dan, I, you've been one of those ambassadors for the military, and and you didn't you weren't in any of those those wars. You really have represented. I remember um, one of the I think it was a Canada Day event that we had up at the exhibition grounds years and years ago, yourself and David Mitchell were involved with that. Um, just to see the, the amount of passion you put into recognizing the people across our country, the contribution and sacrifices that they made just cannot be overlooked. They're family. You know, they are family. They truly are. I mean, of those 18 veterans that I, uh, that, that agreed to talk to me, I mean, I attended every funeral. I was pallbearer. I carried ashes of Ron Mosley to the gravesite. Um, they're family. They truly were. They truly were. And uh, and and our members today, um, everyone that I work with, and and it doesn't matter if it's Air Force, which is what I represent, but it, it doesn't matter if it's Army, if it's Navy. I mean, the recent tragedy with Stalker Two Two and the cyclone crashed. I mean. Um, I sat down with a, a young major at 12 Wing in Shearwater who was a pilot on the cyclone, was on the HMCS Fredericton, and was due to fly that same aircraft later that day, uh, was a very close friend with all of those people that, uh, that gave their lives that day. So uh, it, it, it hits close to home. It really, truly does. You feel the pain, you feel the anguish, and you feel the loss because we are family. So, Dan... My cousin, Lonnie Woodworth, I grew up with him. I remember playing baseball and football when we were kids. All of a sudden, he made a decision to serve in the military. And just like other friends like Danny Dospital and Ian and, and, and many others, I, I thought it was a, a cool thing to do. You know, you travel the world, you create new skill sets. I mean, it's one thing about talking about the sacrifice of the military, but let's talk about how they contribute to society after their service because they come with a lot of skill sets after they finish their military service. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in the case of the construction engineering squadron, which I'm part of, all we're made up of um, our headquarters and, uh, and four flights of reservists. So these are, these are part-time military, if you will. So, uh, and they're made up of carpenters and plumbers, electricians. Jim, Jim Wenzel's involved with that yeah, group, absolutely. right? I've, so, I've grew up with Jimmy my whole life. So, you know, we talk to the young people, um, especially here on the South Shore, you know, it's an opportunity for you to join the reserves, the Air Force Reserves. We'll, we'll start paying you through basic training. We will then bring you back. And if you want to be a carpenter, we will send you away and you will become a carpenter. Uh, we will continue to pay. There's no long-term commitment. But at the end of the day, you are getting the same skill set that you would get anywhere else, and you finish 
as a carpenter or as a plumber or as an electrician. You're only going to work a certain percentage of the year, so you could certainly use that skill set somewhere else within the community. There's no long-term commitment. You, if you sign up with the reserves here in Bridgewater, it's not like you're going to get whacked on the head and wind up in Kuwait. Um, right. Yes, we have members that are deployed to some of these areas, but it's always in support of, uh, of a mission. So if there's something that needs to be built, something that needs to be retrofitted, and they need a plumber, they need a carpenter, an electrician, uh, they will reach out and say, is there anyone interested in doing this? And we've had, we've had members that have put their hand up and said, yeah, I'll, I'll go. That's awesome. And, and they go, and I mean, it's a tremendous experience. We have people deployed all over the world right now. And, um, but it's a skill set that once learned is theirs forever. In the case of, of World War II veterans that came back, some remained in the military, but the majority of them left the military and just went on to become part of society. And, and um, you know, they married, they had families, they, they worked in places like the post office or car dealerships, and it, it just became part of who they were. Well, it was so, the biggest boom in childbirth in the history of the world was after World War II. Gee, I wonder why. You're right? So families are being created very quickly yeah. after that. Uh, men and women being away for so long and then all of a sudden coming home, um, it really changed the dynamics of how things, how people lived in society because we, it led us into the 50s and the 60s, which were very different decades compared to the 30s and 40s. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, if you look like, if you look at Germany today, you look at Japan today, I mean, both of these countries were absolutely devastated yeah, after World were. War II. But I mean, you look at them now, and I mean, they're they're vibrant, successful, economic giants, uh, you know, globally, and uh, it, a lot of it was uh, because of the rebuilding after uh, after the war. John Derrick was our history teacher in Bridgewater Junior Senior High School for a long time, and John did a phenomenal job educating us about the history of our world and specifically the, the wars that we dealt with, and and it really. When you dig into the, the stories, and they're limitless, they really are, you can kind of get a somewhat of, of a perspective of the challenges. But you told me a story earlier about one of the individuals you met in regards to um, PTSD about how cold their feet oh, got every yeah, December. Yeah. You have to share that story with the public. So, you have to. Yeah, so Ron Mosley was, as I said, was a, uh, a chaplain with the 106th Infantry Division of the United States Army um, and was uh, in Europe and was with the 106th Infantry Division in, uh, in, in Belgium. And, uh, of course, in December 1944, the Germans launched what was became known as the Battle of the Bulge, right. which was their kind of last-ditch effort at, uh, at an offensive uh, because they wanted to get through and get uh, a coastal uh, supply uh, area in Antwerp. And um, they launched this attack, um, and the Allies had no idea it was coming. They were ill-equipped. It was winter, December, of course, 1944. Absolutely. Um, and you had everybody from cooks to, you know, to people who worked – Cooks and clerks, I think they referred to them as, all of a sudden found themselves on the front line trying to defend the area um, from the Germans attacking. And uh, Ron, unfortunately, was wounded twice 
during that Battle of the Bulge and uh, by shrapnel. And uh, Ron went on, of course, he came back and he became a very you know, successful individual and very well-respected and well-loved in the area. But um, he would spend half the year here, and right after Remembrance Day, he would uh, head back to Georgia where he and his wife had a home. And, of course, I would inevitably always call them on, on Christmas just to check in, see how my, my buddy was doing, and I'd, I'd ask his wife, I'd say, how is he? Well, she said, you know, it's December. And, and the memories, the, the survivor's guilt, and that, that, that echoed through all of the veterans that I spoke to, that survivor's guilt. Why, why did I get home safely and so many of my comrades didn't? So, you know, he was faced with that, which many are still suffering from. But she said the other thing was his feet were always cold in December. Now, this is Georgia in December, Generally, pretty. Yeah, it's pretty nice, warm in Georgia. Pretty nice down yes. there, but not much snow falling no, in Georgia in December. But Ron's feet, psychologically, absolutely, were still cold. And and I know I mentioned this to you is is all of those veterans, um, they all went through very traumatic events, um, but they always took those events and they stuck them away in the back of their mind somewhere because they knew they needed to go on with life. And, uh, and of course, the, the system of helping people back then has progressed more for our people today. Very much, very much. Um, but, but they have it all, they also have a better understanding of what it actually is. I mean, back in those days, it was, you know, you were shell shock or, you know, that type of thing, or you were coward. And, And of course it's not cowardice it's not shell-shocked it's it's, it was a tough guy thing then like you just didn't show your emotions or didn't share your feelings because you were you wanted to be it was being in the military was considered you know a a tough guy thing you wanted to make sure you stored all those things like you said earlier in the back of their minds but But it has dramatically changed oh yeah and 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 i could see when i was asking questions about some of their experiences and they would be recounting something that happened you could see that door of that room that held those um, terrible memories yeah. kind of creep open a little bit, and they became very emotional. Um, you know, to, to see one, one gentleman, uh, Shorty Rodenizer, uh, quite a character, actually, he, uh, he recounted a story. Uh, it, was, it was a beautiful sunny day, and they were cleaning their weapons and, and preparing everything, and, and all of a sudden he said they could hear in the, on, in the distance a uh, huge amount of Allied aircraft coming over where they were in this field, and he said they knew they were they knew they were friendly aircraft, mm-hmm. and he said all of our equipment had the Allied logos on top of it, and he said all of a sudden the planes started to drop their bombs. Wow! And he said that day they lost over four hundred people. I, I mean, you you know you, you can't no. think about in today's world. If we lost 400 people in one day. The only time in my life that's been recent would be 9-11. Yeah. That would be the only time that you could really compare it. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at, you know, our losses in Afghanistan. There, there, were, there were multiple deaths on, on it, but it would be. But not like, 400 in But a it day. would be like three or, right. or four. Um, and, of course, you know, we had people like Paul Davis. Absolutely. Paul Davis, uh, who attended Bridgewater, you know, Bridgewater yeah, High here. School at the yeah. time, was a, was his dad still lives here. Um, we had Rick Green, who Rick Green and Nathan Smith Absolutely. were two of the first four 
Canadians killed in Afghanistan in 2002. So um, yeah, it's it strikes home when you when you have your own and it happens close to home. I think sometimes, as and I see the schools do this every once in a while when we they lead a group of kids from a classroom, and they they pick, go pay respect to the military that has served in each community, and that's from really from coast to coast, and it's something I think as Canadians we've done a really good job. Oh, absolutely, and I and I that's the other thing that I encourage young people to do, and and I encourage everybody to do it. You see somebody in uniform, walk up and say, absolutely. thank you for your service." It's a simple gesture, but it speaks volumes to the respect, and uh, and and working closely with our military. Um, the military members are somewhat kind of shy, and they don't like to be put up on on. A podium or a podium, yeah. yeah, and and of course that's that's not me. I'm always putting them up on yeah, that yeah, pedestal. Yeah, I'm always putting them up on that podium yeah. and saying, "Hey, folks, look at that I person. Take the credit. Exactly. Look at that person. Look at what they do for you." But um, but yeah, you you want to pay respects on November 11th and uh, and and every day because that's the other thing. I always ask kids, "When's Christmas Day? December 25th." Exactly. Okay. When do you start thinking about next Christmas? December 26th. And I'd say, okay, so when's Remembrance Day? November 11th. When is next Remembrance Day? No, 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 it's not November 11th of the next year. It's a lifestyle change. It is remembering those sacrifices and commitments that our members in uniform make every day. So it doesn't have to be November 11th to walk up to a veteran or somebody serving and say, hey, thanks for your service. You can do that any day. And you can see them in a grocery store. Yeah. Uh, you can see them in a mall. You can see them on the street. You can see them in Tim Hortons. You can see them anywhere, a Walmart. And when you see them, they usually have some form of even clothing on that you can see yeah. that you can recognize. It, it, it takes a short moment in your life, but to either tap someone on the shoulder or in this COVID situation, you want to be a little bit more careful right now, but still to take that moment and show your respect. It, it really does go a long way for our military to show that they've been they've been remembered and respected for their contribution. Yeah, it's a simple. Like I said, you know, thank you for your service is a very simple phrase, but it means so much to our members that are currently serving. I, I've got an idea that I that I want to throw out to the to the youth here because I I know a lot of kids that I've coached in sports and I've met across the country. We have social media applications like TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Twitter on November 11th, take 30 seconds and post a video on your wall showing the respect that you have and the appreciation for our military. Let's flood social media that day specifically for sure and just share a 30 second or a one minute video um, and let's just load up those social media platforms on how much we really truly value our, our military service people across the country. Absolutely. You know, that's a tremendous challenge. And, and they can also share those memories and videos and whatever they want to do on that Facebook page, which is Operation A Pittance of Time. And we're going to have that link on our, on our YouTube channel here so you can obviously get to that. You know, I was, a, I was an air cadet when I was 13 years old. Right. I mean, to be able to do that and to experience that military environment was just, it was, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I, my, my sister was too. My brother was an air cadet at 18 Dartmouth, um, and then I stepped in afterwards. But, um, 
the life lessons that the cadet programs, whether it's Army, Navy, or Air Cadets, that the that instill in young people is is something that you have for the rest of your life. Like nobody polishes my shoes anymore. Nobody irons my shirts anymore. Absolutely. You know, I make the bed at home. Well, it was uh, nice to see Carrie Ann because when she was a kid, Sean and I were so heavily involved in sports. Yeah. Carrie Ann actually went away each summer and was a camp leader. I was so impressed with her her just ability to want to go do that and and then take those skill sets as she's learned from it. It was it, I, I had a lot of respect for Carrie Ann for doing that at, at a young age. Oh yeah, the cadet program is 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 amazing. And it's and it's not, you know, there's a I think there's a misnomer there that if you join cadets you're going to go to the military. Yeah, that's, that's not, not the case the way all the time. It is. Now, there are kids that will transition because of their love of that environment. But it's just a tremendous experience for young people. And, uh, and I mean, we have some outstanding cadet groups right here on the South Shore. And they're coast to coast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the nice thing about the country is that we have the ability to, you know, provide those opportunities from coast to coast for the kids. And, and like you say, it's whether you serve in the military or just utilize those skill sets, they, they stay with you for the rest of your life. Yep, absolutely. And, I mean, we just had one of our local Army cadets uh, – become the top army cadet in Canada. That's and impressive. Right here. So That's impressive. It's pretty neat. So it's always great to be recognized to, to be at a level of excellence that uh, is considered the top in your field. Yep. So, but no, it's uh, remembrance day is going to look different, but um, I think we have enough to offer people. And I think people will still take that time and, and, you know, to, to, quote, to quote Terry's song, you know, take a pittance of time. Absolutely. Whatever that length of time is, it really doesn't matter. Just stop. Um, you know, we, we want this to become a nationwide initiative, um, nationwide, and everywhere in the world there are Canadians. I mean, you know, I even said to Terry, wouldn't it be cool if Air Canada jumped on board? And because obviously Air Canada is going to fly on November 11th because that's what airlines do. Um, wouldn't it be neat at 11 o'clock on November 11th, they come on the speaker on the aircraft and say, hey, we're going to take two minutes of silence. We're not going to shut the plane off, of course, but we'd like... We want to stay in the we'd, air. We'd like you to just yeah. take a moment and yeah, reflect. Absolutely. I think that's a great so, idea. So, you know, we're, we're reaching out. That's a great idea. We're reaching out corporately and, uh, of course, with the, uh, with the support of Veterans Affairs Canada, they've got, uh, they've got lots of contacts and, uh, and that Terry Kelly guy's got a few friends yeah. around the world as well. So PTSD is a a subject that has really come to the forefront in society. And I think that in a lot of cases it's it's not emphasized enough. It sometimes I think we just go, Well, you know, you remember those kind of things and you deal with them. I think we need to emphasize some more care for our military service men and women that we get them the type of care that they need in our country because they see and have experienced things that the average person could never imagine. I, I Dan, I, when you watch things on TV, it's one thing yeah. when you, when you're in the movie, you're there, you're experiencing and seeing things that stay with you for the rest of your life. We need to take care of our, our men and women. That's that's true. I mean, you know, our our military is such a uh, is such a precious commodity to this country, and and you're right. I mean, our uh, our members, you know, experience things that we can't even fathom. The the depth 
of uh, of what it would be like. I mean, just for example, you know, with the uh, cyclone crash, you know, yeah, the, absolutely. Um, one of our members, uh, his girlfriend served on the uh, HMCS Fredericton, and uh, her second role was actually casualty recovery. So anytime an aircraft would come in and land, uh, there would be certain people on on the deck. And, you know, these people saw this aircraft crash and uh, and knew the people Absolutely. on board. It, it, it wasn't a movie. It was reality. And, um, you know, you can only compartmentalize that stuff for so long. And, um, you know, some people are better than others in, in putting it aside. But um, everybody needs to understand that the mind is a very fragile organ. And uh, it doesn't it doesn't work the same with yeah, everybody. Every, absolutely, no, no, it's not no, a computer. No, and no, you can't just reboot and, and no. it's gone. Uh, there's yeah. always can't remove the virus. There's always cookies, if you yeah, will, that are absolutely. left behind. And and just to go back to this, you know, the the World War II veterans, that door, you know, you can only keep that door closed with those very traumatic experiences and memories for so long, when you have to deal with them. And I mean, our members today are facing things that we certainly can't even imagine no. the the horrific images that uh, that they're experiencing and uh, and you're right um, we we've come a long way in in treating and 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 understanding understanding is probably the first thing you know education and awareness uh, always lead to effective treatments or as effective as they can be um, but we still have you know lots of lots of yards to go. Um, and it doesn't always have to be people that have been in combat. Uh, it can be anything that can impact somebody, because I guess ideally the, the definition of PTSD is an event that is either life-threatening or you know, right. life-altering, exactly. or whatever you want, a traumatic event. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of programs that the military has, has in place, and, and they're doing the best they can at this point, but I think everybody understands that the learning curve is still happening and it's identifying members that have issues is, uh, is probably one of the biggest and, and, uh, and looking out for each other because if you and I are working together and, and I'm working with you on a regular basis and I, I notice a change in you, um, it, it's, I need to be able to identify that. And it doesn't, you know, it can be issues at home. Issues at home, issues at work. You know, it's a change in your personality. Exactly. So uh, so there's a lot of buddy checks happening. Yeah. And, uh, and the military is good at doing that. Um, like I said, we're family and family looks after one another. But, you know, there's members out there that unfortunately probably feel that it's it's not as good as it should be. But, you know. They're doing what they can do at this point. We talked at the, the dining room table upstairs before we started the podcast about one of the things that I was talking to one of my employees about it is imagining yourself coming onto the beaches that day, being pre- you know prepared through training, military training, and then all of a sudden it's real. Mm. The bullets are real. The enemy's there. This is showtime. And for me, survival's about individualizing something and surviving on your own the unit comes first in the military so you have to execute the units um 
process. There's a strategy that they have. You have a responsibility to meet in regards to the, the combat that's going to happen. And you have to stay within that unit. And that's a huge sacrifice. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole mantra is, you know, adapt, overcome, do your job. And, um, you know, that takes over. It really does. Your training, the people that I've talked to, you know, your training takes over. I mean, Frank Hammond told me that he, one of the images that stuck in his mind was when the landing craft landed on Juneau Beach. There was a guy who his responsibility was to get off the landing craft and hold a rope on the beach so that the infantry could hold this rope to get up on the sand. Right. And he said, he's standing on the beach yeah. holding the rope while everybody else is crawling. Yeah. <laughs> he said it was the most surreal image that he had ever seen in his entire life. The guy survived, but he said to look at this when bullets are impacting all around this man, and he knew he had a job to do, and his job was to hold that rope and... Damn it, he was going to do it. And if he didn't do it, somebody else would have a problem, well, and, it and could, they'd it, suffer for it. Yeah. Right? So, so, so you know, it's it's adapt and overcome and uh, and complete the mission. Talk about the fundraiser that you're doing right now in our local in our local community. Yeah. So every year uh, for the last five years, I've I've worked with the Greenwood Military Family Resource Center, and uh, we started a program called Adopt the Troops for Christmas campaign, because obviously all over the holidays, it's not like okay. Hold, hold everything, hold the missions, we're going home for Christmas. That doesn't happen. We have members that are deployed all around the world that right. won't get home over the holidays. So so I started reaching out to the local schools and said, hey, kids, you know, write some cards and write some letters. And and I this year has been probably the biggest, and I really didn't know how this year was going to go with with all of the the, the – economic issues in our in in the area and the the issues that businesses are having but it's actually been probably the strongest year for donations because corporations businesses they will donate cash and that money goes to the Greenwood Military Family Resource Center in in Greenwood of course but then what they do is they come down and they're actually coming down tomorrow and they take all of the cash donations that have been made by businesses and they spend it here. So they come back to Bridgewater and spend the money here. Uh, and what they do is they buy things that are first um, in demand, uh, easy to pack, and, and that ship well. So they'll, they'll come down tomorrow, and they will load up the truck with everything with the cash that has been donated. And we have, I was jokingly um, talking to the chief, uh, the chief warrant officer at, uh, at Greenwood yesterday, the wing chief, and I said, I have so many cards and letters this year from the schools. I said, I think we're going to have to extend deployment so that the uh, the people can actually get through all of the cards and letters. It's amazing. I mean, we've had we've had one gal. Actually, it was Sarah Greeno who was the right. the army cadet that mm -hmm. was just uh, the top army cadet in Canada. She actually did uh, two little watercolors one year and wrote a little message inside of each one. And we actually got a picture back from one of the guys in Kuwait with it hung on his tent. Very cool. So it is nice. And some of these kids will actually get cards and letters back from, from our folks uh, deployed. So, yeah, it's Adopt the Troops for Christmas campaign. We're, we're in the final stages. I actually start packing the boxes that will go. And, and the, the great big 
green and red Santa sacks, and then they go into a cardboard box. It's just it's like Santa's workshop in in Greenwood, I love and, it. and it's it's an incredible thing to see. And and I mean the people that have taken taken part this year, businesses are actually reaching out to me and say, "Hey, can we take part this year?" And uh, and it. And, it, and it's great. And uh, of course, we always do a photo op. I see all the photos on social media. And I keep I keep track of you all the time. And yeah. and, and, it, and it's it's my Dan, way of Dan, saying thank you. Dan, you do a great job. And you it's my way of saying job. thank you to these people. Absolutely, too. it's a great concept. I love it. You've been so engaged in our community and 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 represent us all as a group. Um, it, it's to be commended for the work that you do for our military. It really is. Well, you know, and, and when people say that to me, I, I mean, I, I thought about it one time and I said, you know something, our members in the military, they're the ones that do the heavy lifting. They do. The things that I do, they're easy. They're easy. They do all the heavy lifting. So, and, and it's, it's tremendous honor to be able to give back to those that give so darn much for us. And that's why I'm passionate about what I do and about my military family. The military family over the holiday season, like you just talked about with the, the fundraisers that we do, they're abroad all over the world, and they're away from their families. And life goes on. It does, you know. We had one of our members who was deployed and lost a family pet. You know. You know, life goes on. It does. It's tough, and, and that's why in our community you want to try to support the families that, that has a husband or a wife or a husband and a wife yeah, deployed. Absolutely. And talk about our flag. When we're looked upon in the world, uh, we had uh, John Swain and, and Nick Saunders in, in the studio one day, and we talked about where we ranked in the world. And, and it's amazing to see a lot of these uh, surveys that Canada is looked upon as one of the best places to live in the world. And one of the reasons why is the type of individuals that we are and the way we serve in our military. So the flag itself, when we're in other countries, we're looked upon as leaders in the world for sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I carry this flag on my uniform and, uh, you know, I always say that, you know, members that have, that have come before me and will, will be after me, you know, have, have historically carried this flag into battle and, um, you know, and have represented the country so well. And, uh, and you're right. I mean, this flag is, uh, is recognized worldwide um, as a as an amazing country. Uh, if you take this flag and you walk through uh, Belgium and Holland and in through the Netherlands, uh, where Canadians during World War II were were hugely involved in the liberation, um, you are just honored by those citizens who still to this day recognize the impact that Canadians made in their life. So if you're wearing a backpack or some form of jacket and you're, you have a Canadian flag on it and someone in those countries or other countries look at you in a positive way, it's likely come from our military service. Oh, absolutely. That's the reason why. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the Canadian graves that are in those areas are still looked after by the, uh, the residents of those small towns. I mean, they're manicured, they're... Uh, on Remembrance Day, there'll, there'll be poppies, there'll be flags. I mean, they haven't forgotten. And uh, and and we haven't forgotten either as Canadians. Um, but time sometimes will dampen. It erodes the soil. It, it, it really it does, you know. It erodes the soil. But we are, as Canadians, 
we are fiercely patriotic. We Absolutely. truly, truly are. And that's why this project that Terry and I, uh, Terry and I launched, it's not to in any way say, hey, listen, you've stopped. All we're doing is we're just giving you an option, another option to pay your respects, to honor the commitment that our military has and continue to make. Three things that I remember as a child in school, elementary school specifically. Number one um, was our national anthem, right? The second one was paying tribute to the queen. And the last one was in Flanders Fields. Yes. It, it's just ingrained in my soul. And I think many of many generations, um, they still remember that. Well, that's why um, for a number of years, Pierre Allen, our French resistance, the World War II veteran, would recite in Flanders Field at our Veterans Memorial Park on Remembrance Absolutely. Day. And the first year that he did that, uh, in his iconic Parisian accent, yeah, yeah. Um, he was a very short man, but he, he, spoke, he spoke like a giant. Um, at his last word of the poem, there were birds in a tree directly it's behind. Amazing, yeah. And when he finished his last word, the birds took flight. And even talking about it today, the hair of my arm is, yeah. But after he did that for a few years, I said, okay, I need to, I need to make sure that Pierre always is with us. So the Des Brisset Museum at that, at that time, it was the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One, Right. And I took him to the museum with the help of Eastlink. And uh, we had Pierre in a, um, a mocked up trench that they had. And he recited in Flanders Field. And, I love it. Uh, and, it's, and it's amazing. And, and, of course, like I said, Eastlink has put together this, this video that encompasses him doing that. And, uh, and in fact, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing experience to watch it. And it's, just, it's such a brilliant um, memory and it's such a brilliant honor that we can bring to somebody that was a very simple man. And until the day he died, would always keep thanking me for what I was doing. And I said, no, Pierre, you're doing it all wrong. I'm supposed to thank you. Absolutely. But that's the way these people were. They, they do. They thanked me. Somebody said to me after I did this video back in 2009, 2010, they looked at me and they said, Dan, you made history. And I said, nope. No, you I made a video. They made the history. That's the truth. You're just service. You're serving them. Absolutely. And their memories, their honor. I can see it in your soul. Like it's not something that it's just something you're doing on a daily basis for something to do. It's something that you truly believe in, and it's ingrained in in you every day. I've seen it for gen well decades. You living here, and I can say from on behalf of all the citizens that we we live, people like Dan Hennessy across our country need to be celebrated as well for their contribution of exposing the history of something that I think all of society needs to learn from. Like I said, I do the easy part. Yeah, it is. They did the heavy lifting. Dan Hennessy in studio today from the weekly Woodcast, a very special edition of the weekly Woodcast. We'll have lots of links, get on those social media applications on November the 11th and show those people who have served us in so many different ways over the decades and decades of service our great appreciation if you don't wear a poppy 
Buy one today to support our troops. Thanks for Dan coming in today, and we'll see you next time on the Weekly Woodcast.